Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back with Joe Milliken. He's the author of Let's Go, Benjamin Orr and the Cars. Welcome back, Joe. Great to be here. Thanks again for having me. It's been having a blast. Definitely. And since you're the native Bostonian and I'm a transplant, my engineer over here is also a Boston music legend. I wanted to talk a little bit about the Boston music scene with you uh, because it's such a key and core part of both uh, the band and your book, you know, and, and the stories of the rat. They took me back, and it was just a you know parade of Boston musicians passing through the book. You know what's weird? We hadn't mentioned this when we talk about the cars and being at the Rat. They were different yeah. than any of the other bands that were performing at the Rat, and that's why I think they sort of got that punk label at the beginning. They weren't punk, but they were playing in the Rat alongside all these powerful punk bands, and they kind of got put in the same cycle, if you will as them yeah but it, i think it helped them stand out even more that they were just different than the other bands playing there and i think that was something that really attracted helped attract their audience and it was a little bit ahead of your time but what were your thoughts or what what do you think about when you think about the boston music scene at that time even though it was a little before my time you know 77 78 79 when the rat was really smoking um, I was a little young. I was, you know, 10. Wasn't at the point where I was going to shows yet. But I learned a lot of perspective from Boston musicians I've talked to. And they said that the thing that was unique about Boston was it was like a city only smaller. Um, like New York City is so vast. But Boston was a tighter, close, more close-knit music community because geographically it was smaller. There were less people. Um, and I think another big thing about the Boston music scene, and it's what attracted Rick to Boston at the beginning, was that it was a college town. Tons of colleges, universities, small clubs, like you could just walk down the street and shake a stick at 
all the venues that were available to play and any kind of style from rock to folk to acoustic, you name it, it was there. And it was sort of a melding pot of all these types of styles in this congested area. And it was influential. Somewhere outside of Boston, they did a showcase and like 50 people showed up because it was a snowstorm. But Roy Thomas Baker, it was the first time Roy went to see them. Mm. And he said what impressed him about them, here we were in this little hole in the wall club in a snowstorm, and they played as if there were a thousand people there and not 30 people. They did their show. They were very professional. And that's he knew right away that he wanted to work with them. Well, as you mentioned, I I think it's true. Boston is always been thought of as having a very healthy live scene. And I'm curious, you know, what were some of your favorite acts of the time, people that you went to see? Well, um, when I started going to shows in the mid eighties, I, my sentimental favorite band is Aerosmith. (laughs) When I was in middle school, seventh grade, you know, for Christmas, I asked Santa Claus for like four Aerosmith albums after a friend of mine had brought a 45 single of them doing the Beatles cover come together They had released that as a single in 78. First time I heard them was in music class. I heard this 45. I was hooked. Aerosmith became my favorite band. Joe Perry, my favorite artist, the guitar player. And now I wouldn't necessarily say they're my favorite band, but they were my sentimental favorite. And they were a Boston band. I'm from Boston. They started in New Hampshire. I lived in New Hampshire. I lived in a little town called North Walpole, New Hampshire. And what made the town famous was the little elementary school where my mom was the lunch lady. The fifth grade teacher at this school for about 40 years was Steven Tyler's sister, Linda. <laughs> Getting into Aerosmith, I would go visit my mom at the school just so I could go down and meet Steven Tyler's sister, Linda. So I had all these little weird connections to them. As a matter of fact, my new book project, I've decided to write a biography about Joe. That is going to be my next book project. Not an Aerosmith book. What could I write about Aerosmith that hasn't been told a million times? And several years ago, Joe put out his autobiography. And then I said, okay, well, that's it. I'll never be able to write about him now. He's telling his story. But I included in my ideas with the publisher. I gave him a different idea that would be different from Joe's book, where I interviewed a lot of musicians that worked with him Mm. along the way, which wasn't really a part of his book. He told more his life story and they bought the idea. So I'm doing a book about Joe. Very cool. Well, I really enjoyed Joe's book. And, and, you know, there's another six degrees of separation because other Steve over here. Yeah. Can I spell this, Steve? He worked quite closely with Joe doing front of house sound for a few Joe Perry project tours. And, uh, wow. I'm sure he's got some stories, but, uh, he, he, um, a new interview for my book. A lot of, uh, Stories. A lot of uh, work with Joe, right, Steve? Yeah, he's nodding. Wow. So there's another one. But uh, yeah, Aerosmith, uh, you know, they were huge, huge. There's a few other bands. I mean, Boston, of course. Yeah. Uh, Jay Giles band. Great band. They were really the first band in Boston. They were the first ones who got, like, you know, Aerosmith's first album was 73. I think Jay Giles was like 69. Yeah. I think their first album came out. And of course, Peter Wolf had been a Boston DJ. And so he was into radio promotion. Jay Giles was really the first big heavy. Other Steve worked with them and Peter Wolf too. <laughs> of course he did. I'm just pumping you up. This is great. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, what about clubs? Did you have some local like Boston clubs that you liked for live music? You know, the Boston club scene had changed a lot 
by the time, so I'm in college in the mid 80s. And uh, I went to shows, but I wasn't necessarily a small club goer. I was more going to the arena shows. Like I was going to the Worcester Centrum in the mid 80s, like every major artist. So I was going to see bands in front of, you know, 15,000 people. That's the kind of shows that I was going to. Um, So I wasn't necessarily entrenched in the Boston club scene, although I know a lot about it and I heard a lot of great things. I didn't really experience it myself. And of course, I talked to someone like you who (laughs) lived at the Rat. What were some of the clubs you you must have went to the channel? Oh, my God. I was always at the channel because they uh, they did most of the reggae shows, you know, and those that was what I was into. And Storyville was another one. Metro Spit. What am I missing? The Paradise, of course. Was uh, well, legendary. The Paradise is one. Yeah. I've been to several shows at The Paradise. A few years ago, I've ever heard of a band called Marillion. It's sort of a Genesis offshoot kind of feel of Genesis. Hmm. Um, very progressive rock band. I've seen them at The Paradise a couple times. Great, great club. Yeah, great club. No doubt. When Rick passed, they put on the marquee. Uh, rest in peace, Rick. Oh, wow. I have a photo of it because the cars did that circuit. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And all um, of those clubs. great Scots. And, and you know what? Sadly, and hopefully Boston will always be a live music town. I think COVID changed a lot of things. Um, yeah. But most of those venues are gone. I mean, the rat up until COVID was an upscale eatery. Uh, COVID closed that down. Great Scots just recently closed. Spit, the Metro. And then in the last month or so, we learned that the Middle East in Cambridge will now be a deluxe hotel. So uh, I don't know what your thoughts are on the current scene in Boston. I'm not sure that there is one, but I mean, on the other hand, I'm sure there is, but it's changed. A unique thing about the Boston music scene I've learned, and I I have interviewed a lot of Boston musicians, those types of musicians that got right to the brink of being national acts. And they were like warm-up bands. Like um, a Boston band that I love is Fahrenheit, Charlie Farron, who was in Joe Perry's band for a couple of years with the project. Fahrenheit is one of those bands that, to this day, they haven't done a new album of new material in probably 30 years. But if they announce tomorrow that they're playing at the Blue Ocean and they're going to do a show, 5,000 Fahrenheit fans go. So not that they necessarily can make a living per se, But there are a lot of Boston musicians that can still do their thing in the Boston area and play like the Somerville Theater and types of places like that and still have fans come. You know, it's a lot easier to put your own music out now. So it's easier at least to get your music out there. But I've met a lot of musicians along the way in the Boston area that Boston is like just big enough for them to express their art and still be able to do it in the Boston area. And I think that's something that's very unique and will never change about Boston. Yeah. You know, bands like, um, you must, did you ever see the John Butcher Axis? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All those guys. John Butcher's another one. You know, I went out to California, made a few albums, produced some other things, worked in TV, did some TV production and stuff, came back to Boston. Now he does shows. He'll do a show as a, a, the John Butcher Trio and they'll... F- Get, you know, a thousand people. James Montgomery. A lot of great names in Boston that are still known in this town. If they decide to do a show, there's fans that are going to go see him. So thank God that still exists. Indeed, indeed. It doesn't exist in the way uh, when I lived over there and around the corner from Synchro Sound and you'd see the band 
Aerosmith hanging out in front of the studio. And then walk across the street, there's Newberry Comics, where Amy Mann of Till Tuesday was working the front register. And it was just this very, very unique thing. A close-knit? Yeah, very close-knit, very close-knit. And I think it's still out there. So hopefully, uh, you know, here's to better times ahead uh, for live music. But I want to thank you, Joe Milliken. Your book is terrific. Once again, it is Let's Go, Benjamin Orr and the Cars. And, um, you know, throw out if you write another book, whether it be on The Rat or Joe Perry. Hit us up and we'd be glad to talk to you about it. I would be absolutely honored to talk to you again. One last thing I wanted to say before I went, I told you about how I was doing this Joe Perry Project book. Believe it or not, (laughs) I did an interview about Let's Go. And I mentioned in the book that I had leftover material. Mm. My original manuscript was too big. And they made me cut 100 pages out of it. Had all this leftover material. I have a lot of people who are Ben fans and Cars fans who now follow my progress and what's going on with the book. They heard this and came to me and said, what are you doing with that stuff? I don't know, nothing. It's on my computer. It sits there. You should do a companion book. You should do a companion book for Let's Go, include all the leftover stuff that didn't get in the first book. I have a ton more photos. They only allowed me to have 40 photos in the book. I have hundreds available that I could use. And since the book came out, I have met other people that have come out of the woodwork and said, I wish I had known you were doing this, Joe. I knew Ben. (laughs) I got all kinds of stories. So I'm mixing in some new interviews and I'm actually working on a companion book that is going to come out at some point with it's. Much more specialized. You got to be a real big Cars fan and a big Ben fan to want this. I know it's a selective audience, but that's another project I'm working Very on. Cool. And if anybody wants a book, they can go to benorbook.com. I, I personalize books and send them out to people so people can check out my website and hopefully uh, enjoy the Cars book. The Ben Cars book. Uh, Very cool. We will keep our eyes open. And thank you again, Joe, for your time. Steve, it's been great. I really appreciate your time. You asked great questions. Um, I had mentioned you at Mm -hmm. the beginning. It had been a while since I did interviews, but I guess it is like riding a bike. Indeed. You start talking and the stories come out. Fantastic. So it's it's been a great time. I really appreciate your efforts. All right. Thank you, Joe. If you enjoyed this teaser, have a listen to the complete podcast episode on your favorite podcast provider. Please follow, subscribe, and share. And thanks for listening to All Music Podcasts, a member of Pantheon Media. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett.
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 